Yep, I get it. I know exactly what you're thinking. Here we go. Another podcast. Well, you know what? I'm here to tell you something. This just isn't any other podcast. This is the Vision Life 365 podcast, where we give you a front row seat to organic missionary work. My name is Jason Sykes, and I'm here with my co-host, Gary Hale, and we're coming to you from beautiful San Pedro de Macorís, Dominican Republic. We're here serving with the DR Vision team. Our podcast is designed to encourage you towards Great Commission living. Along the way, you get to see the good, the bad, and even sometimes the ugly of missionary work. We hope to encourage and challenge you on your personal sanctification and ministry walk. Here we go. All right, good to have you guys back to Vision Life 365 podcast. Uh, I'm very excited. We're getting listed in all the podcast directories, and uh, within 24 hours, I think it was, we had over 30 people um, uh, subscribe to our podcast. We're on almost all of the major uh, podcast uh, uh, carriers, I guess you could call it. So you could find us on Apple. You could find us on just about any one of them. Uh, there's a couple we're still waiting on approval for, but you'll catch us there here, here pretty soon. Before I introduce my co-host, uh, I thought I would introduce my co-host in a very unusual way today. Um, you know, Gary's a pretty laid back guy. Uh, he'll tell you that he's pretty laid back, but th- there really is an exciting side to Gary. And so uh, I'm going to turn this introduction over to somebody else. He may be quiet. But he's also calculated. He needs no introduction because his presence dominates the room. He's your co-host, Gary Hale. So talk to me, Gary. What do you think? You like your your introduction? It's way over the top. (laughs) It's way over. We took it next level, man. I took it next next level. But uh, impressive. I, I don't even know. And now you got background music going on. Yeah. What is all this? We're, we're trying to make this like a, a legit over, you know, uh, an awesome podcast. So, you know, the, the little you research. Use a lot more music. Than- <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should just play music and quit talking. What do you think? <laughs> there we go. Just like Delilah or whatever, you know, you call it. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jason. Thanks for calling. <laughs> Today we're talking about... Uh, so tell me about your week, man. What's been going on? Oh man, uh, put me on the spot. Well, I don't know about my week. I know that when I just came in here, there was a dead rat in front of the door. I mean, that thing was about a foot long. Really? Half decomposed. So, I mean, do you have like better music for the do respect I, of the a dead rat? Yeah, hang on. The poor rat in front of the door. Oh, that was sad. It, it, met, it met its demise. <laughs> Just a couple days ago, he was alive. Yes, he was eating. He was eating uh, all the crumbs in the in the church. Would you Would you say he was maybe slain in the spirit out there, or uh... Uh, he was definitely slain? <laughs> <laughs> he was definitely slain. The cat didn't get him though. Surprised. <laughs> well, we got a very interesting topic today that he, Gary and I have talked about on occasion, and uh, I think this is a topic that uh, all of you will appreciate. Um, something that. Um, we all deal with. It. If you're in the ministry, if you're if you're not in the ministry full time, uh, when you deal in church ministry at all, whether you're you just teach a Sunday school class or, um, and this is just an actual general area of life that we need to be really careful about, and that has to do with the area of rest and uh, making sure that 
that, that we get enough, we get enough rest for our bodies. We get enough rest for our souls. Um, and, uh, so I've got Gary here with me. We just want to kind of chat and talk this out a little bit. Um, thank you guys again for who, though, all you who have subscribed, be sure to tell your friends and family and neighbors and your pastor and all that, because we'd love to love to have more listeners and love to be an encouragement to you guys. We hope this is. And uh, so Gary, let's, let's, let's kick it off, man. What do you t- tell me what you're thinking? Well, I'm thinking right now that was probably the worst segue in the history of podcasts from going to a dead rat to, <laughs> to rest. I mean, I guess we could say the, the don't the end rat up as that rest. Don't end up like the rat. Yeah, don't end up like the rat. Don't and be a rat. Don't, don't be a rat. And, uh, you know, we do live in the rat race. And so, yep. uh, wow, you know, there we go. <laughs> that right there, my friend, was incredible. Yeah, bringing it all around. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think uh, this is something that, you know, for our generation, uh, you know, those that are in their... I guess, you know, 30s and 40s that are, you know, still, uh, you know, leading ministries that are maybe on the rise. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this uh, problem that I see. I've seen it in, in other friends and uh, others in ministries that they uh, have a very difficult time taking rest. You know, and I, and I did as well. When I first came here in, in 2003, I felt like I had to work every day, you know, for the ministry because people were, were supporting me. And so I had an unbalanced uh, view of of taking that time out to recharge, refresh, uh, refocus. You know, I was just, um, you know, I was trying to do something every day for the ministry. I just felt like that's what I needed to do. I really didn't see it as, you know, I, I would say now that uh, I, I think there's an element of pride there, and you don't really see it as pride because you see it as value of hard work and working for the ministry and going all out. And I'll tell you what happened. I started having some problems with, with my health when I was in, you know, I was in my late twenties and I I shouldn't have been having these types of problems. And so uh, there was a message that my pastor had preached years before. Uh, I don't remember anything in the message. I just remember the title. If the creator can rest, why can't I? And that title came back and really brought conviction to me. Sorry, Pastor Lemming. He should have taken better notes. I should have taken better notes. But, <laughs> you know, the title stuck with me. Yeah. And, and it just shows you how even a title can, you know, a, a well-placed title can, you know, resonate with us, you know, even years later. Mm-hmm. And that really brought conviction to me because I realized that I was out of balance in, in this. And so I needed to begin to try to take an off day. And when you start, when you start talking to pastors who don't take off days, and, and that's just one of the things that they're going to push back and they're going to resist. And they say, well, that might be nice for you, but, you know, it, and... My ministry, I don't, you know, I just don't have the time for that. And I would say you don't have the time not to do that. You're going to end up like that rat in the, you know, you know, in the, the front, front door. door, in the yeah. front door. Well, and I, I think Gary, the other side of it that we have to learn, and this is not an easy lesson, is um, we can't fix everything. Yeah. You, we can't fix everybody's marriage. We can't fix, you know what I'm saying? We can't, we can't fix their health. We can't fix their spiritual condition. We can share truth. We can, we can pour into lives. We can invest in people, but we cannot. It all comes down to their individual relationship with God and not necessarily us, you know, having to be there every little second. Now, it's important to be there for people, obviously, and I'm not, I'm not pulling yeah. away from that. But I think sometimes we put too much pressure on ourselves, like the change needs to come because of us, not necessarily just, you know, um, come from the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit needs to, to you know, it's a matter of them. Yeah, I, I think so. I, one of the things that helped me along the way was somebody— um, told me, I think it was a, an older gentleman, you know, in, in ministry, uh, had had made this comment. He said, Gary, most of the family crisis uh, that you were going to come across did not start that night. Right. 
Okay, so it, it's been years in the making. And probably won't be resolved and that you night. You can't either. resolve it that, that night. Right. Now, that doesn't mean, like you said, that doesn't mean that there aren't times. I have gotten the midnight call when, you know, one of the, one of the married partners is about ready to walk out and the other is crying their eyes out and, you know, is just in despair and, and you know, the, the family is falling apart. Uh, I will go there to try to, try to bring some calm and some perspective in, in the moment. But you can't fix a problem that's gone to that point all in, you know, all, all in the middle of the night. Right. And, and then there's a lot of problems that, you know, people, it's interesting. People want to meet on your time. They don't want to meet on their time. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, that sounds cold. But, you know, I think you, you have to, if, uh, you know, I was reading in a uh, book recently that, that was saying that, you know, churches need to put more emphasis on the health of the spirit of the pastor. The spiritual health of the pastor. And yeah. A lot of times we think about the spiritual health of the church, but we don't think about the spiritual health of the pastor. And and so I think part of your time management is realizing, look, I need, I have to have time that I can. Uh, it's really what we would call a Sabbath rest, you mm-hmm. know. And for most, you know, pastors, uh, missionaries that are that are involved on Sunday, Sunday is not really a day of rest for us. So we've got to find that somewhere else during the week. I, my wife and I have had that exact talk because. Like you, I've had some. I've had some physical issues with my health. Um, you know, I, I felt pressured. I felt. Let me just since we've got here, I just sat trying to get my feet under me, need me a little bit. I'm like you are. I feel a responsibility to, uh, for lack of a better word, just to produce because I have people supporting me, and I feel responsible for that. Um, and then you have COVID, and you're you know you, sometimes you you feel like you're spinning your tires and and twiddling your thumbs when. But there's really nothing you can do when you have to be in your home by a certain time or you cannot be doing certain things at certain times. You're under restriction and and you can't. And, and uh, you know, I, I, my issue, my health issue is blood sugar. You know, I'm diabetic and, and one of the biggest things for a diabetic is stress. And mm-hmm. <laughs> the other day I took my blood sugar. It, it, it was pretty high for me and um, immediately had had the conversation with my wife about taking care of myself because if I don't and, and I think that's something we got to think about. Sometimes we think we're doing the valiant thing by squeezing ourselves so thin. But if we're not there to, to be able to minister later on, if we're not there to be able to minister, uh, you know what I'm saying? If we, if we run ourselves so thin right now that our health eventually just putters out, what, what actually are we accomplishing? Yeah. And, and there's a, another thing I, I say, as much as we hate the word legalism, we are legalists to the core because we want to measure our spirituality. We want to have something we could say, oh, I did this. Mm-hmm. And I think, like you said, that, that pride element is a little bit there because we, we want to feel like we're doing something for God and something measurable. So we, mm-hmm. we just crank ourselves so busy that we don't give ourselves what we need. But I have seen in the last years, you know, if I'm not careful, then then... My blood sugar affects my emotions. My blood sugar affects a lot of things. I'm more tired, lethargic, can't think straight, you know. And so those are things I've got to be careful of, and stress is one of them. Yeah, and, you know, that doesn't just affect your ministry. It first affects your home. Your family, yeah. And, and unfortunately, um, you're not going to see the effects maybe for a long time because your your family is going to try to, for lack of a better term, cover for you. They're going to give you grace, and, and they you know, they love you, and they're going to— but eventually, the fruit of what's you know what's planted in that in a neglected family is going to is going to come home. Well, and, you know, you lose your family, then what ministry foundation thank, do you have? Thank Jesus for mercy and grace. But 
I walk that path since we come here. Not not that my kids are ready to leave or my wife's ready to leave, but um, in my pressures, we we've gone through a little bit of a, um, a trial, I guess you could say, as a family since we've arrived, and that pressure I didn't do well with. And um, my kids are asking my wife, you know, I wouldn't say behind my back, but just, hey, did, how's dad? What's wrong with dad? Dad okay? You know, concerned about me. And I guess... They didn't vote you out of the house, not a mutiny or anything? No, 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 no. It, it, I'm a pretty big boy, so it'd be hard to carry me out. <laughs> but it's I, like Battle uh, Royal Rumble. Uh, yeah, know, in, in they'd the have to gang up all four, or yeah, all five of them. The, the thing it makes me feel bad when, I guess as a man, I don't know, Gary, if you can relate to this, I I, I have a feeling I'm about to get a, a, a pushback on this one. But anyway. Okay, I'll push back. All right. You ever overstepped a line with your wife and said something in a harsh way and felt bad afterwards? Come on. Let's call Allison. Can we call Allison right now? Let's call Allison. No, I'll admit to it. Yes. Okay. Don't you, sometimes don't you feel worse after that? Like you want to kick yourself because you did that. It's almost like the, the, the frustration afterwards is about as high as the frustration was when you said it and you're sitting there thinking, why did I do that? Why, why did I say that? Or why did I say in, in that tone? And that's kind of what's bothered me with my family, my kids, you know, because I don't know, those are things you can't take back. And um, you need to cue the, the, the music. Um, oh, okay. Here we go. So, you know, when you say things you shouldn't, Gary, has that ever happened with you and Allison? <laughs> have, you, have you ever been unkind to your wife? Yes, I have. I've, I've caused uh, many tears. Have you ever talked mean to your dog? Yes. Does she cry? She whines. She whines? Yeah. And then she goes to the bathroom on the floor in the kitchen, right? <laughs> For spite, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to the subject, back to the topic at hand. So what I'm saying is we talk about being real transparent in the podcast. I've walked, I've walked in those shoes even since I've been here. That's not something I'm proud of, but I guess if we want to help and we want to be an encouragement, I want people to see grace in my life too, that I'm still growing in grace and I don't have all this down. And that's, that's a path I've walked. And so I'm with you, man. We gotta, we've gotta, we've gotta take time to within that rest too. um, We'll talk a little bit about the spiritual side of that rest. Um, You know, I think I think that we associate anything spiritual has got to be active, but sometimes I think there's a good time to just sit and listen mm-hmm. and let God talk to you. Yeah, I think so. And um, you know, I was reading in preparation for this. Uh, someone brought out a good point. You know, Jesus never seemed hurried. Mm. You know, and uh, I was following the line a little bit in 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 the Gospel of Mark. And look at Mark chapter one and verse twenty one through thirty four. Look at everything he did on that day. He goes from preaching in a synagogue to casting out a demon to healing a sick friend to ministering to the whole city all in one day. But what's interesting is that after this day, it says in Mark one thirty-five that in the morning rising up great up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Yeah. Okay? And then in Mark 4... It's when the storm arises, where's Jesus? He's resting. Yeah. Mark 6, um, after John the Baptist's head has been delivered on a platter, and you know, that's where we get the phrase from, and uh, the body has been buried in, in the tomb by the disciples. They come and tell him, and this is what he says in Mark 6. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. 
For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place. Or if you don't know how to spell desert or dessert, a dessert place <laughs> by ship, uh, uh, privately. A little bit of cheesecake right there. Yeah, a little bit of cheesecake. And so, I mean, I mean, look at that. Just in, in looking at Mark 1, Mark 4, Mark 6, what do we see? We see Jesus is, uh, you know, as one person said, if you don't come apart, you're going to come apart. Yeah. You know, and so uh, he, he takes that time to recharge and refocus, uh, to, to have communion with the Father. And I think that... I think that's the encouragement because you can say, well, I'm doing that every day. But if Jesus, you know, took time to rest, we've got to take time to rest, too. Yeah, no, I agree. And and, and, and I think it's safe to say both of us have struggled in our health because of not implementing that well. And um, I guess I guess for me, just being honest, it feels lazy. It feels like but you've got to learn to turn it off. You've got to learn to. You know, I were talking about this just a few minutes ago before we started, but you know, when you're when you are a pastor or a missionary who's discipling people or working with people, you don't your day doesn't stop at five o'clock. You don't you don't just clock out. When you have a marriage falling apart in your church or three, when you have somebody who's going through a, a, a rough time of life and you know emotionally they're not doing well, that's that's hard to turn off when you hit the door. You don't just punch a clock and walk and turn it over to somebody else, which we should. <laughs> we should give it over to God. But those are things we take uh, with us and lay in the bed at night and think about and wonder if there's things we could do to fix. And and uh, I think, again, it's just important. You know, I, I'm, this is... I don't think this is a controversial thing about to say, but that's why I'm so much for deacons and elders because I think it's very important that the pastor has people underneath him both to keep him accountable in both a good and bad way. In other words, you know, if, a do- if he's getting off in a doctrinal direction, that's not good. Well, you've got a, you've got a group of elders that can help kind of maintain that, keep him, but also in a sense of, Hey, pastor, you know, why don't you take some time to rest? You've had a lot going on, you know, um, there's, because there's, there's a performance mentality in, in ministry too, where, um, and, and let's, kind of expand on this a little bit, but it's almost like you, you, there's a fear you really can't open yourself up to, to those you're ministering to. Um, and there's a dual side of that. One of, you don't want to affect somebody in a bad way. You know, you don't want somebody kind of, uh, taking on your frustrations. I've seen that in my own home and my own kids and it, because you feel like you're the leader, you're supposed to be setting the standard, but there's sometimes I think we get it flip flop because the church is not there just for us to try to maintain it on our shoulders, but they are to minister to the pastor as well. You know, the, the people within the church are to minister to the pastor as well. And so I think that's the other side of, of this that we really need to talk about that the church needs to be cautious in the way that, um, you know, really take a time back and evaluate. This isn't just a pastor thing. This actually goes to the, the people within the church being careful about how, how much they tax their pastor in that sense. Yeah, and I think it, it brings up the question about our ministry models. You know, what are we constructed in, in our ministries? Because when you go to Ephesians chapter 4 mm-hmm. and, and 12 and, and, on, and onward, you know, you're, you're talking about that the, the work of the, the pastor teacher uh, is to, you know, equip the body mm-hmm. you know, for the ministering of the saints. And so the job of the pastor is not to do all the ministry right. in, in the church. And we have... In general, I, I think there are many churches that are built on a lot of programs, and it requires the pastor to oversee all of right. these numerous programs, and they might be more effective long-term and not have the burnout. And, and, and here's the thing. How many 
Oh, you know, programs can be good. They can be part of, you know, effectively ministering. But if it's all about, you know, all the latest programs, then you're constantly having to plug people into those programs. They get burned out. Yeah. And, and what happens with a lot of these programs? They develop a reputation of just uh, cycling people through. And so in the course of, you know, some, some ministries, if you look the long term, you'll see, and they've had how many different people working in that ministry and where are they today? They've all burned out and left. <laughs> they've burned out and left. And so we just look for the next, you know, next up. And I don't think you want to, I don't think we want to do that to people. I, and I think sometimes we try to do too much. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for, but you know, that goes back to sort of that mindset that I think came out of the you know, 60s and 70s, 80s, where it was like, you know, the sun never sets on our ministry, you know, as far as our missions program, and we're going to have the biggest bus ministry or whatever, you know, the latest fad is. And, you know, and so there's this drive to be the biggest and the best instead of let's be the healthiest of what we can be. And I do think we have to expand. I do think we have to reach people with the gospel. It's not just us four and no more. I'm I'm not saying that. I just think we're out of balance sometimes. I think Jesus had probably the most clear perspective on the gospel that anyone could have, and yet he found time to rest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're talking about urgency, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, if you're talking about urgency, uh, why wasn't he going around the clock and say, "Guys, you know, there's people that are dying, and, you know, and they don't they don't know me." I mean, and you and I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago about kind of what I'm going through, um, and one of the things you said to me at that time was a total. I don't want to say a smack, but it was a, it was a wake up call for me when you said, Hey, Jason, you know, probably 80% of our church is going through what you're going through and 90% of our church. I realized that amidst COVID, amidst the inability to be able to minister on the level that one would want to minister, because in my mind, I was going to come here, drop my landing gear and just crank it up right away. Mm-hmm. I realized that God had a bit of a training process. Doesn't, you know, doesn't mean I'm not ministering, but God had a, a, a bit of a work to do in me first to really give me the opportunity to minister more long term, because if you can't through, through what we were going through, when you told me that, you know, so many people in the church were going through that as well. And that just, that gave me perspective that (laughs) it's a whole lot easier if you can identify with somebody on grace on a level of grace. And, you know, sometimes you come in as the the gringo and everybody's like, well, you just don't understand. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's good when you can say, no, actually I can't understand. Let me tell you my story. Sure. Let me show you how God showed grace to me. And so, um, you know, sometimes you think of Jesus' earthly ministry three years. <laughs> you know, he had a lot of prep time before he got out there. And he was he was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You know, he, he was God's son. And yet God put him through a preparation time as well. Uh, he was all God and all man. Yeah, and, and you see regular intervals of, of rest, you yeah. know, in his life and his ministry. Yeah. And so you see that really throughout the... Uh, the whole Bible. I mean, you know, God, the creator, you know, established, you know, six days for work. The seventh day was for rest. And, and, and again, I come back to that title. If the creator can rest, why can't I? I mean, what are we saying, Jason, when, when we feel like we have to, you know, we have to be busy every, right. you know, and being busy is not necessarily, I mean, many times we throw that out. Well, I'm very busy. That, what does that really mean? You know? And so, I think um, I think our families need it. I think we need it. I think our, ch- our church families need it to where we can learn to, um, you know, to take a day to where we can recover and really use it to focus on our relationship with the Lord, also just to rest <clears throat> our bodies. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, it was a process for us here uh, at the church. You know, I had to teach, um, you know, our, my staff and, and those around me, 
to honor that, you know, honor that day. I try to take mine on Mondays. Now, there are times because of the situation here, for instance, uh, you know, when somebody dies, you don't have like a whole week. <laughs> uh, I mean, because they don't embalm, um, you know. It, oh, they it, don't embalm me here either? No. The, the, most times. So, you know, people are going into the. The next grave. day. Yeah, the next day. That was the weirdest thing in Venezuela for me to get used to. Did they put the glass on the, on the, on the. On the casket too. Yeah, and you know what's uh, what's crazy about that is that uh, yes, they do, <laughs> but sometimes it fogs up, you know. And yeah. I don't know, it's like the humidity Ooh. or the. And so you, you yeah. know, I, I catch myself thinking, is a person breathing? I mean, <laughs> you want to tap on the glass. Okay, so I've got a very, I got a funny one to tell you. So actually, I mean, dead people are not really funny, but anyway, Venezuela. One of a good friend of ours, we're ministering to, and we're going to their house every Monday to minister to them. Um, God saved him out of Catholicism there. But anyway, so he calls me, he says, Hey, my uncle passed away. Well, I was still learning where all the funeral you know, places were. There's like one strip where there's like two or three or four. of. <laughs> so anyway, so I said, okay, we'll be up there around such and such. And I got with my wife and we drove up there and we drove to, we got out of the car, you know, we went in there. We didn't, we'd never met this uncle before. So, you know, we don't know what he looks like. And we walk into this one funeral parlor and there's like a, few women sitting in there and a little kid and they're all looking at us like you know what are you doing here we didn't know we figured we we're in the right place you know so we just sat there with this little kid comes up offers coffee to my wife it's like real customary to have coffee at the and she's like oh no thank you no thank you no thank you he must have come back five times are you sure you don't want a coffee you know and my wife's like no it's okay finally she after about the fifth time she's like sure thank you and um then all of a sudden i had this really wound up ringtone on my phone forgot to put it on silent mm-hmm. so we're just sitting this absolutely quiet you know dead yeah. dead silent uh-huh. uh, room and uh reverend all, reverend all of a sudden goes off uh, my ringtone and i'm just 30 shades of red embarrassed you know because this here's this dead guy two women and a kid and and we got you know hee-haw going on on my phone <laughs> and it was the guy he's like hey man where are you and i'm like well we're here uh-huh. he's like no you're at the wrong funeral parlor <laughs> So then my wife, my wife felt bad. We get out to the car and she couldn't finish her coffee. So she had to pour it out. She poor kid. Oh no. Poor kid. No, I mean, but you know, those, those things can happen to us, uh, on, you know, on the mission field where it's a little bit different. You know, we, we can't really plan and organize that. So what I'm saying is that sometimes people do die on Monday, you know, and so I can't say, and no, and, and that's what I'm saying. I, there's flexibility here. I, I can't say, uh, sorry, this is my off day. Can't touch it. You know, that's not going to, but what I can do is say, you know, I want to rearrange something else in later in the week. So well, I the, can take that. there's two key things I think we can look at in here. Number one is having people around you that you can trust, that you can kind of put in that space if need be. In other yeah. words, hey, listen, you know, it's been a crazy week. I had a lot going on over the weekend, you know, I had to do marital counseling or whatever. So and so, could you could you go to the funeral parlor tonight? Could you could you be there or just have people? One thing you said that just really is all a, a good topic to discuss is just the matter of thinking that it has to be the pastor all the time when that's not really the case. We need to we need to be training people to minister as well. And I think pastors have the mentality that they're not only the coach but they're the player as well. And you get everybody sitting on the bleachers doing nothing. That's we're, we're not completing our job if we're not training people how to get out there and minister themselves. And so we don't need to do that in a rude way. Um, but there are times when you can hand things off. I think the scary things that I hear in ministry are when a pastor tries to do that and somebody says, Hey pastor, but you know, how do you lead somebody to Christ? If it, man, if our people don't know those things and then we've got to take a step back and, and really 
Um, because they should be doing that. We should be doing that. All of us should be doing that in our own communities, period. You talked about programs a, a little bit ago, and that's the other thing. We get lost in programs, you know, and that's really one of the fundamental reasons we, we started this podcast was just to emphasize the necessity, importance. To start this program. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Gary. I got to program some more sound effects into my board. Um, no, I just, just to deal. Um, man, you threw me off. I'm gonna derail no, I'm sorry. Me. That's I'm okay. Sorry. We started this pro- podcast to encourage another program. We another started program. this program for you, <laughs> but, but we're okay. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, we say that Gary's quiet, but you know, <laughs> I'm just kidding. He may be quiet. He right. may be quiet. Anyway. Um, but we, we started this program. Nice play on words to encourage people to go into their own community and reach their neighbor. Don't make it such a corporate event. Don't make it such a, not that you can't, those things are important, drunk or treat, whatever the big things you're doing at your church, but go over to your neighbor's house with a rake and rake their leaves up yourself. You don't have to have an entourage of 20 people to do that. You can minister in your own community. You know, you can, you can, if you, you know, go to certain places all the time or go to pay a bill or something, bring a coffee to somebody that you know you're going to sit, just open up, look for opportunities. And it's amazing how many doors you can open doing those things. And that's the body working as the body of Christ. In other words, not just a pastor going out to visitation. It's not just a pastor doing all that, but it's each member of the body looking for ways just to reach in their community. And listen, you don't have to, so carefulness, you don't have to preach them into hell the first time you meet somebody either. You're sowing seeds and building relationships. And hopefully through that relationship, the opportunity for the gospel comes into, sure, we need to be very faithful in sharing the gospel. But but if you try to cram that down somebody's throat without taking the time to build a relationship with them, could very possibly push them away. Can't take away the Holy Spirit out of out of our evangelism, for sure. Yeah, yeah I mean, like I, I've said before, you know, someone said, um, you know, the gospel rides on the rails of relationships. Yeah. So if you don't establish those rails and those connection points, then it's going to be hard for the gospel to be articulated in a way that's going to connect connect with people. The gospel doesn't change, but the the method of delivery is, is you know, through us and through relationships, you know, natural, organic relationships. And not everything has to be a big program and event. And again, I'm not against that. I think that they can be well served. I mean, they can help churches, you know, have a big evangelistic campaign, prophecy conference, Bible conference, you know, what have you. But some churches, I think, are are living from event to event. Right. I mean, as soon as they get done one one event, now we got to get ready for the next event. You know, two months later, and then the next event, and then the next event, and people get burned out in that. Well, and we've talked about we mentioned it before, but the book. If you if you want to read an incredible book, pastor, layperson, you name it. Simple Church is a tremendous yeah. resource in this because um, there's got to be balance in every aspect of the ministry. Probably one of the best things I've learned from my father-in-law uh, discipled me, and you know he always says there's always such a tendency for the pendulum to swing. Anytime you try to t- make a change, the, the tendency is for the pendulum not to to hit the middle. <laughs> Generally, it goes any other direction, and so. What we're talking about on this here is you got activity after activity after activity. Sometimes there comes a point where you need to kind of slow it down a little bit and you need to, you know, look for balance in that. The idea of Simple Church, basically, if you're 
programs are not within the, the, the arrow sharp focus of the church and the gospel, then they need to be reevaluated. They need to, you need to take a step back, take a look at them and, and really push it like an arrow, everything you're doing towards the gospel and have a, a, a mindset of that. Anything that's distracting from that needs to be eliminated. Yeah. A lot of people are so busy uh, themselves and even busy in church that they don't, they don't. If you if you would ask people, what are we trying to do in this church? I mean, you would get a hundred different responses. Yeah. And so I think that in, that shows that there's a lack of uh, unity and focus. I don't mean unity as far as spirit, but I mean just as far as focus. You know, that laser focus. This is what we. This is why we are here in this location. This is what we're trying to do. Well, you, you said something a few minutes ago, which is totally too. When you really think about it, ministry is nothing more than just relationships. It is relationship building. That's what ministry is. Well, there's, it's building relationships inside the church, outside the church. We are building gospel relationships. Within the church, a gospel relationship is the iron sharpening iron. That's to bear each other's burdens. It's to encourage one another. Outside the church is gospel-oriented in the sense of evangelism. We're, we're building relationships in order to have the opportunity to share our faith with other people. But ministry at its most fundamental core level is about relationships. And so if we are so burnt that we can't relate to people— and if we're so burnt because we're so program oriented that we lost, you know, we lie. Friday night went uh, come out here with the teens and um, uh, J- Jeremy East was good good friend of mine and he's a, a part of the team here. We'll have him on the podcast sometime. He preached. Uh, he shared from his heart and um, he came up to me afterwards to say, "Man, how'd it go?" And and he did an excellent job. He did an excellent job. And I said. I said, Jeremy, you, you did awesome. I said, but can I tell you what I think is equally as good? Is he's out, he was out there playing hoops with the guys. He was shooting basketball. And uh, I think that had as much impact on those kids as him standing in front of them sharing the Word of God. And I think that we miss that sometimes. Mm-hmm. We see the formal, but we, we don't realize the informal as many times what opens up gospel conversations. And again, if we're so burnt on programs and we're constantly in this, you know, this hamster wheel of got to do, got to do. And, and again, it, I think so many times it's our own pride or it's our own legalistic leanings that want to have something to measure that we lose the sight of the big picture because we want to get to the end of the week and say, Hey God, I did this, 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 and this, this. And God says, I've been ta- I've been trying to talk to you all week and I, I can't, can't, can't get a hold of you because either you're too tired and you can't hear me or you're not spending time with me anyway because you're too busy doing stuff for me. And God wants to do it through us, you know. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, and, and it's not just the programs at our church. It's really it, it's sometimes what's going on personally, you yeah, know, in our homes. I mean, I, I was I was looking at some, um, you know, I'm not going to bore anybody with stats, but it it's interesting that uh, the average person, according to social media today, the average person spends 116 minutes per day using social media. Yeah, dude, that's almost that's that's basically two hours. That's two hours a day on social media. That's that's distracting you from what you need to be doing. And you know, I, I mean, I posted today, so I'm not saying that it's that it's wrong. No balance. But, Absolutely. But if you're keeping going back and see sure. who, who liked, who commented, commenting back, you know, and I mean, it just it just can it can suck the the focus away from you know other there's things. A, there's an addictive nature to it. Uh, the social dilemma uh, is a, yeah. is an excellent uh, documentary on, on on Netflix with some of these guys that created these, you know, and again, not to go to the extreme of saying, you know, you shouldn't be on social media, but uh, you know, some of the guys that uh, created some of these uh, the trappings, you know, the like button, 
Uh, I think he's interviewed on that on that documentary. Um, you know, they have got guys from Google and, and, and maybe YouTube and others. But um, basically, the whole deal is that social media today, you are the product. I mean, they are they are gearing everything to respond to what you like. It's it's pretty crazy. Well, and and. <laughs> To bring that kind of full circle, too, because we're in the middle of COVID right now, this is a struggle that I had in my home as well. Because um, my older boys allow them to be, we have a, a monitoring app on their phones uh, to monitor their, their screen stuff. And then I have their phones that get turned off at like 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night. In other words, they can only access you know phone calling, text messages. They have to ask me to put in a code to do anything else besides that. But even during COVID, um, you know, there's this there's this vicious cycle as a parent. You feel bad. You don't want your kids sitting. I mean, before we came here, at least, you don't want your kids sitting in front of the TV all day long. Um, you get you're doing, you know, at this time at least, you know, they were homeschooled when we were at home, and then when we first came here, they were doing uh, virtual, you know, classes that way. So they're on their phones doing classes, and you know, you're trying to monitor. Even just my daughter, I feel like that that social media robbed her a little bit of her, of her innocence, you know, going from goofy little YouTube videos, all of a sudden, you know, at her young age, makeup videos. And then all of a sudden we start coming up with, uh, you know, her feeling body shaming things and her saying she's, she's fat and blah, blah, blah. And it, it broke my heart because where'd she get that? She didn't get that from our house. She got that from just, casually you talk about social media controlling our life i mean that's an absolute i've seen that happen so i had to say hey no more youtube no more you know no more this no more that we try to stay on it pretty heavily as a parent but then you know you feel guilty because your kids can't go out and play with their friends because you're on a covid lockdown but man is you're absolutely right there's so many things that distract us beyond that just the blue light now i've got these blue light blocking glasses Mm -hmm. why because they're proving you can't sleep if you've been staring at your phone for a long time you know, so there's a lot of stuff to take into consideration here. Again, I mean, we, we, you got to set a family policy, whoever you are, for your own family. I'm not telling anybody how to set up their social media policy, but I am saying that we got to be careful because we have no idea how this is going to change the next generation. I mean, when I was a kid, I never thought twice. Of, my kids know the names of several YouTubers who make a tremendous income off YouTube. You know what I'm saying? Those are things I never thought about as a kid. I mean, it's just, we have a whole different generation. Yeah. I think it's, it's easy to get out of balance. And, uh, these things again can be tools and they can be tools for us in, in ministry. But, uh, I, you know, I would come back to, uh, there was a guy that wrote a book several years ago and, um, it's by a medical doctor. It's called margin restoring emotional, physical, financial, and time reserves to overloaded lives. And, um, you know, basically he's saying that people don't have margin in any of these areas. And so they can't handle things that come up. They don't, can't handle surprises or emergencies because basically all of life is an emergency. You know, you're running from one emergency to to the next. And I think, you know, as it, as we talk to ministry leaders and pastors or or just regular, you know, you know, lay people in the church, right. Uh, if they're not working, then they've got other things so planned. There's just there's not we're not building in as a society, you know, a, a time of rest, and and that that shows up in our broken families. It shows up in uh, our our health. Mm-hmm. It shows up in the unhealthiness of our churches. Sometimes, I mean, the expectations that people have, uh, you know, of their pastors, and and yes, the the bar is is set high, but we've. 
you know, as, as one author was saying, you know, we need to, we need to be concerned about this, the health of our pastor as well. And, or our pastors, hundred percent, you know, and, and this Wayne Cordero, uh, Cordero, uh, writes, uh, a great book, uh, that uh, is about leading on leading on empty, and he talks about you know um, being a place in his life where he basically just just burned out. And you know, again, you might not like everything that he says or agree with all his positions, but uh, you know, he really talks about you know what you have to do to to rebuild that, yeah. you know, and and rebuild your life and, and rebuild that um, that balance uh, that you need. He, he likens it to. You know, if you don't do that, uh, he likens it to, and I, and I lost the quote uh, that I wanted to pull out. It's just really simple, but it, you know, it's, it's, it's talking about going with it like a, a vehicle. You Greg, know, how did you lose that quote? You you have an iPad, you have a, oh yeah, I you, have, you have a you have a MacBook and a really old Android phone. How can you lose that quote, man? Well, because I've got like uh, I like <laughs> highlight the whole book, and oh. so, you know, <laughs> so you're scrolling through trying to find. Uh, which one it is, but uh, basically what he was saying, what, yeah, it's like a car. Uh, someone can drive a car for years without an oil change. You might squeeze twenty or 30,000 miles out of it, but the neglect will come at the price of an engine that grinds to a stop. Yeah. And, uh, and I, it actually reminds me, I mean, I did that. When I, my first, I had a Jeep Comanche, uh, like candy, apple, red, whatever. Uh, it's great, but I never changed the oil in it. And uh-uh. so I ran it for a long time. And uh, it did exactly that. Eventually, it grind to a stop, ground to a stop. And so, uh, you know, our lives can be like that too. Eventually, it's going to catch up to you. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is after you implode, or sometimes explode on others, right. um, the damage is great, and it takes a whole lot more to to you know to get reestablished and get re well, and get in a healthy spot. Let, let me let me ask you a question because I in my own personal life I've seen this how many personal or let's even say acquaintance relationships do you know of people who used to be in missions and are not in missions anymore because of things like that who were in ministry who no longer in ministry because of things like that or the recoup time was a long long time. I I know yeah. many. Oh yes, I I I know a few who um were really committed to what they were doing and really felt like, uh, you know, God had positioned them to, to do certain things in, in, in the ministry. And they became so consumed by that yeah. that they, um, you know, in, in, I can think of cases where because of the stresses and the pressures and because of that lack of guarding their heart and that sweet communion with the Lord, uh, they started to drift. And many times, when pastors drift, they drift a long way before people actually see know what's it. going on. Right? Yeah, you know. And so it's it's really this this crazy thing, and it's it's really scary mm-hmm. because you can preach good sermons and be far from far yeah. from the Lord. Yeah. And you know, many of the people who fall, I think you look at them, and it's easy to have a, a cynical spirit about them. And say, oh, they were. I knew there was something wrong with them all along. I don't. I don't think so. I think there are a lot of the people that get in the ministry have. A pure, pure oh, motive. Absolutely. In fact, I wanted to be clear about that. We're not, we're not ripping on anybody when I say that because I can tell you right now, in my own personal life, I've had things out of balance since I came here that I struggled with. That were, that were. One is, you know, the trial that I'm um, was and is still in the process of going through. Um, but I got out of balance spiritually and emotionally on it, 
And, and let's take it one step further. Wasn't taking care of my health like I should have. Yeah. And so the, all those things play into my reactions, my responses and my, you know what I'm saying? When you're, when your body's out of whack and when you're not taking care of yourself or you're too strung out and then, you know, more pressure and stress hits it, it, you don't do well. You don't do well. No. And so you can drift uh, a long way right? before you're, before anybody else realizes. And, uh, you know, in, in watching some people, uh, where that has happened and, uh, you know, that's not justifying, that's not at all justifying any, um, sin that they committed or any, you know, whether that was financial, sexual or whatever, that's not right. justifying right. that, but it's to say that they allowed themselves to, to drift, um, and not take care of the first things. Which is again, where the local church has got to step in here, where you can't just be, uh, this is horrible to say, but you can't just be, a, a sitting on the bench. Yeah. You got to be in the game. You got to be taken care of there. I always say, I mean, we, we, you know, in our circles, in the Baptist circles, you and I have seen some big names drop. And I'm not going to name anybody because that's not the, we're not doing that. But the point is. That's I, not our podcast. Right. That's another podcast. <laughs> um, but it, but, it, but within that, normally every time, and I always said when we discuss these things, you know, with my wife, I always say there's a dual responsibility there. Number one, um, many times pastor gets a big head. And he's got to, you know, he needs to be, that, that pride issue needs to be dealt with. But number two, the church is not ministering to him. He's ministering to the church, but the church is not ministering to him. And there's a, there's a real scary unbalance there. Again, book I mentioned before, but Dangerous Calling by Trip, incredible, incredible, made me really think about ministry and how it affects and your, affects your family, affects your wife. And, and this idea that you have to be perfect in front of everybody all the time. And you're, you're living a lie by trying to be perfect. And I, I think I've learned through ministry um, in kind of a hard way, but but being transparent and being real and and let people know you're not perfect. Actually, people want to step in and minister and, and encourage you along the way, and you don't have to try to hold this impossible line of perfection that you can't live anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I think part of that is, is the balance in your uh, <clears throat> the balance in your personal life, to right. where you can where you can take rest, where you can take recharge. Look, you know. I know very few ministers that I would consider lazy. Now there are some, and if you look around, you'll find just lazy, just lazy people. They just they're lazy. Um, and sorry, man, I got to take a sip here because if not, I'm gonna start coughing. So if no, you, that, you hear fine. me slurping, <laughs> what is it? Is it water? It's a electrolyte drink for all my sweating here in the in the dr. Oh wow, I wouldn't. I mean, that's how energetic our podcast is. <laughs> And don't spit, don't spit it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not editing this out, man. This is going all the way to the end. Oh no! So we're 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 burning up some serious uh, serious sweat here in this podcast, bringing it home to you. <laughs> Other things we do, uh, you know. And so so again, you you have to see. I think you have to take a step back, and you have to see that you, your spiritual vitality and health um, for the long haul. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, any of us can can suck it up and do it for for a week straight, two weeks straight. But there are people, and there are missionaries that I talk to, and and they uh, they'll say things like, "Man, I haven't um, I haven't been able to take a vacation in two or three years," and I'm thinking, two or three years. I mean, that's crazy with all the pressure. That's not healthy. Watch it, Gary. I'm one of those missionaries. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you, that's not healthy. And, and you know, and I would say this: that's that's a creative way that I, if you're ascending church or you're a church that supports missionaries and you have a significant relationship with them, then I think you should 
not only require your missionary to be taking yeah. some time. No, it's, it, you know, you should, that's a way that you can help them and encourage them. Yeah. You can say, hey, look, we want to send you and your wife. And maybe, maybe you can't do the whole vacation. You know, maybe that'd be a couple thousand dollars, 1500. Um, they don't always have to go back home to vacation. That's one of the things that it took me forever to convince people. We live on this tropical island. We have mountains. We have beaches. We have, I mean, we have. 15 minutes, we could be at a beautiful beach right now. Yeah, 15 minutes. We have, we have right. everything we need. We don't need airfare to go somewhere. Right. Right. We can, and most missionaries can find contentment in their, in their, in their country or a nearby country that, that right. they can enjoy. Here's what you could do as a church. Say, hey, look, we, we know you guys have been running hard. We want to help you on your vacation. Or maybe you can't pay for the whole vacation, but it's a retreat. Hey, you know, when's the last time? You know, I've had over the years, I've had a couple of pastors or missions leaders that have asked me, how are you doing on your retreat? Uh, Are you taking some downtime? Are you taking vacation? When was your last vacation? And I think that, and not just to come from a judgmental, you know, uh, No, taking care of you kind of standpoint. But saying, here's how we're going to, here's how we're going to help meet this need. Because, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, pastors, a lot of uh, missionaries kind of have that mindset, well, if I get a little bit extra money, it's going to go to a need or a Sorry, man, am I throwing you off with my electrolytes over here? <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> no, I think, you, and you know what, you can do the new, the new vernacular staycation. You can do a staycation, too. Yeah. If you want to take some half days, take a yeah. half day. If you want to take, if you can't afford, if you literally cannot afford to go on a vacation somewhere, it's okay. Just like you said here, you know, if I drove to Juan Dolio uh, once a day with my family and just spent a couple hours just hanging out at the beach and, and just having some downtime, letting the kids swim, build sandcastles and sit and talk with my wife, you know. Just be careful what you order in that case of that. that oh, that beach man. <clears throat> yeah, Gary's Gary. See, now you brought stress back on me. <laughs> no, I thought it was funny, but it's not, it's not stress for me. <laughs> um, so there was a little bit of, con- of a conversion issue coming from Venezuela because everything in Venezuela was in millions and millions and millions. And I get to hear the Dominican Republic and the exchange rate is 58.5 to the dollar. So when I first get here, you know, so 5,000 is just under 100 bucks, 5,000. So I get here and I see these lower numbers and I'm thinking no big deal. So I take my family one day when we first get here to the beach on a Saturday and it's a beach club. So you have to, you have to order food. You have to order food. Yeah. They have these nice tables where you can sit. And so all the kids are swimming. You you sit there with your wife and talk. And anyway, so, so I was like, Oh kids, you want this, you want this, you want this, you want this. And I get the credit card bill uh, afterwards and it puts it in both pesos and dollars. And it was like 178 bucks. So my kids had a great time. My wife had a great time, but I, I freaked out after that. <laughs> yeah, I think you called me like right after that and said, I mean, I can't be doing this again. Yeah, we you can't know? be going. We can't. No more uh, beach club stuff for us. We just I think, order one appetizer and water. So since that time, we've learned where the like, uh, we've learned where, you know, if you if you want a nice coffee and you want to right. see the horse walk by and and all that, then you can go there. Or if you just want to go to the, like, you know, the barrio end, you can go uh, a little ways down and you can just kind of... Yeah, the public beach. The yeah. public beach and rent a chair and rent a table and be good, so... Yeah, yeah, you can do it. Um, How would you wrap it up? That, that was an awkward go. silence moment, That Gary. was as awkward as the, the transition <laughs> between the rat and the... We're going to talk about rest today. Okay, so how, you know, how would we, we wrap this up? I'm going to give my two cents. You give your two cents. My, okay. my, my two cents is this. Pastor, quit it. Slow it down. Uh, you need to take time for yourself. And it's not being spiritual if you give yourself a heart attack or your health is out of whack. It's not being spiritual if you're 
church people are being fed, but your own family is not being fed. And I'm just shooting straight because I've been through it, done it myself. I have a leaning in that direction if I'm not careful. So I'm talking to you as a brother, not as somebody being critical. Church people, time to step it up. Time to minister to your pastor. Uh, find ways that you can set something up to, to be accountable and holding your pastor accountable in the sense of, um, you know, maybe people, a lot of times you hear people in church say, well, I don't feel like I could preach or teach or whatever. You know what? You can do it for a week. You can prepare something for a week and just give your pastor. And by the way, even though you don't think your delivery is maybe the greatest, your pastor enjoys sitting down listening to people who, who want to grab the bull by the horns and do some ministering as well. That is what the body of Christ is all about. Um, and, and listen, you don't have to be third. I would say you don't have to be elaborate about this. Uh, you can go for a day or two. You need to get time just to get time down. God never tasked you with being the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is who, who influences and changes lives. We have the message, but he's the one that does the work through, through others. And, and so what I'm saying is it's not your job to change the world. It's your job to be faithful to the message and then let the Holy Spirit do his work after that. And you can't manipulate him. <laughs> he's just got to do his work and, and people have to respond. And at that end, uh, the negotiation is not your responsibility at that point. It's between God and those people. And so I'm not trying to make you sound like I'm being too light, just saying that we put too much on our shoulders sometimes of, of wanting to see change in people and in church when it's really not our job. Our job is to be faithful to the message, to share the message, and then each person within that assembly has an individual responsibility before God. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, remember Jesus said he would build the church. Yeah. Not us. Yeah. And, and many times we act as if we're building the church. And so I think we have to keep that, um, you know, in focus. I'd like to I'd like to read um, um, a story time here. Uh, no, on leading on empty. Do you, um, Do you want some dramatic music, Gary? No, this would be a more <laughs> contemplative. But uh, Wayne Cordero says this in chapter six, finding the still waters. He says we all need emotional steam valves to let off pressure. When the stresses of life press in, if we can't equalize the pressure, the external weight overwhelms us. Without appropriate ways to fill our tanks, we become prone to unhealthy substitutes. Then he lists some affairs, casual pornography, excessive alcohol, uh, prescription medication, illicit drugs. All are counterfeit stand-ins that lure us into an unhealthy, uh, into unhealthy, tragic choices. Which I would go on to say, not that I'm an author here, but I would go on to say that probably none of those people that fell into those traps walked out with the purpose of stepping into that trap. They, they, you know, the affair that they fell into is because they were pouring their heart out to somebody that they eventually became intimate with. In other words, it's probably started with casual conversation or uh, coping through drugs or alcohol, whatever, you know, uh, they, they substituted and decided they'd just try it. That's no big deal. You know, uh, you're here in the secular world a lot, you know, just, I'm, I'm just having a little cup to wind down. You know, a little glass of wine down. Give me a buzz or something. Right. Just, just kind of relax me. It's just to relax me. Well, you know, I, I read a great article by a, a woman probably a couple of years ago who used to say, she said, I used to say, I need a little glass of wine every day just to wind down. She said, I realized that my glasses started turning into bottles hmm. and more bottles. And she said, before I knew it, I was an alcoholic. And she said, never started out intending to be that way. There's a good point is it's just a slippery slope. 
Yeah. And he he, uh, calls the reader back and calls the ministry leader to think about the solitude as being a healthy and prescriptive discipline. Yeah. You know, to take that solitude. So what I would, you know, my two cents as far as, you know, wrapping this up would be just like you um, sit down and plan budgets and, and your programs and what you need to be doing as a church and a ministry. I think Plans the pastor and the ministry has to, you know, plan their their sort of their routine and rhythms of life. And they have to say, am I healthy here or, or am I out of balance? And we have mentioned so many books that could be a resource here. Mm-hmm. Leading on Empty by Wayne Cordero is, is, is really good. Um, uh, I think The Margin uh, by Swinson. You mentioned, uh, we've mentioned Simple Church, Simple Church by Dan- Greiger. Dangerous Calling by Trip. By Trip. I mean, those resources, get those. And, uh, you know, if you haven't read into this a little bit, and, and make sure that you're balanced because if you're healthy, I mean, you can't lead out of. You can't lead out of emptiness. I mean, you can. You can put up a charade for a while, and you can. I mean, that's and that 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 scares me. That's a whole different you know conversation. Yeah, that, because there comes a point where the lights, the lights are on, but nobody's nobody's home. And the thing is, is that you can see you can see results. Yeah, you can see people getting saved. You can see people, you know, coming to know the Lord, seeing the transform, and somehow you feel like, and in. Man, that's dangerous because you can see results, yeah. but be drifting further and further and further away from the Lord, and eventually, it's going. Is eventually it's going to come home, man, and it's going to it's going to rock your world and crush your family and crush you yeah. and crush your ministry. It eventually collapses. Well, and and, and I, I was just with Bible study last night. It was one thing that I had thought about my own personal <laughs> trial that I'm walking through right now is that. I think again, it's it's that legalistic men, performance mentality because God is as much, or maybe even more, interested of the work that He wants to do in us and through us than that we want to do for Him. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We get the cart before the horse all the time. We think we're doing Him such a favor by doing, you know, being so busy, and really He just wants us to get to know Him. And as we get to know Him, He is going to do His work through us. Somehow we think we're better. You know, somehow we think we're better by doing the work for him instead of letting him do the work through us. And it's such a difference, such yeah. a difference. Yeah. So I, I think this is something that, you know, in the new year, we, we have to uh, we have to do this. Yeah. You know, we, we have to uh, evaluate how we're doing personally as as ministers and, and preachers and, and just lay people. How yeah. are we doing in the balance of, of taking rest? Am I overly programmed? Is every waking hour, okay, outside of work and, and even at work, am I, am I constantly on social media? Am I constantly on Netflix? Am I constantly running here, running there? I mean, some, I mean, we haven't even gone into this, but I mean, before COVID, uh, it wasn't uncommon to hear church families talking about, you know, shuttling, you know, the taxis. You know, to the kids, to they're involved in all the sports, right. you know, all the programs at the school. And sports are great, and programs can again, can again be good uh, for our children. But some people are just they're slaves to that, and and they're teaching their kids to be on the on this on this hamster wheel. And uh, you know, we're suffering. The families are suffering, and and as ministers, we're, we're suffering. We we've got to say, look, I've got to build in some rest here. It's okay that this family doesn't go. Every day of the week, yeah. you know, somewhere that, you know, we're going to pick and choose and you might have to pick the sports. You might have to pick the, the, the activities um, because, you know, we're playing for the long haul here, not just a short little run. And we want to be healthy. 
And so, yeah, there's going to be some times when, when we just rest or we're going to take a retreat or we're going to take a vacation. We've got to do that. I mean, you work really hard six days a week, five, six days a week. Um, and you Sunday, know. you're not resting if you're preaching, if you're ministering, period. No. I, and I think we have to see that as being healthy. We need to start. Our churches need to maybe demand is a wrong, is too harsh of a word. But I, I think they need to be on the watch out and make sure that they're taking care. Demand yeah. is not bad in the sense if you're doing it out of protection. I don't think it's I don't think yeah. that's bad. Um, you know, require. I, there you go. Require is a good word. Good word pick, Gary. Require for two hundred, please. Yes. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, you know, there's an illustration that that to me applies to this. That um, when we came during our survey last year, just closing with this final thought, but. I remember we, my wife went up to work with your wife up with the girls that uh, she's working with, the ladies she's working with that are doing the jewelry. And um, most of these ladies have come from a pretty, pretty rough background and trying to help uh, teach them a trade and get them out of some, many of them prostitution and things like that. But there was one, one who raised a ruckus. And uh, I remember talking to Allison afterwards. My wife was kind of, she was oh, like, it wasn't Allison that was raising the No, 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 That She did that afterwards with oh, us when we, were, when we were in the car. For no. sure. <clears throat> and anyway, and I remember talking about that. And one of the things that she said is that this, that person was so used to chaos. Hmm. When there was no chaos, she created chaos. And I wonder if we have become that as a culture, as a church culture, that we're so used to chaos and we're so used to filling everything so full that there, when there isn't, it's almost like we, we created and we've failed to learn the value in the art of just chilling mm. and spending some time with God, spending some time in a hammock if you need to, but taking the time necessary because as you said, burnout gets you nowhere. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we, if I can say it this way, we, we almost make, it out as Jesus is a liar when he says in Matthew 11, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know that's true based upon the lives of many uh, yeah. ministers and pastors. I mean, if you were looked at their, uh, look at their life, you would say there's no rest there. And I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's healthy. And, and I've been guilty before. So it's not that I'm on this pedestal that no, I'm neither of us. Yeah. Because my, my book hasn't come out yet. You know, <laughs> you know, we don't have a podcast about that, you know, coming out. Oh boy. I mean, I've been guilty and I've had to learn. Same here. Same and here. Thankfully, in God's grace, um, you know, I didn't have the implosion or the collapse or, you know, go off and, and, and make bad decisions and you know, sinful decisions that would, uh, you know, affect the rest of your ministry, affect the ministry yeah. and my marriage, and my, and my family. And so, um, yeah, thankfully in, in, in his grace, but you know, I don't want to play around with that. Same here. And I, and I want to, you know, every now and then I need to do an evaluation of how am I doing, you know, yeah. on these things. And, you know, my wife is a great, and you've mentioned this before. I mean, just being in tune with your wife to where, uh, you're really listening and picking up on the clues of, you know, are things healthy here? You know, and, and how's the time with her? You know, does she feel neglected? You know, does she feel, you know, so, I mean, that's a whole nother podcast, but. Yeah, well, I mean, and yeah. since we're, we're being candid up, here, yeah, we've been in it an hour and a minute, but but you just said something that really hit home with me because I sat down to eat with my wife. We went out a few days ago, probably a week and a half ago. Um, no, more than that, more than that, probably about three weeks ago or so. And I was right in dead smack in the middle of the trial. Didn't really have a clear vision on it yet. And, um. My wife sat across the table for me and she said, basically, she didn't want to take me home in a casket. Yeah. You know, she didn't want me dropping out because of a heart attack because I just wasn't, wasn't handling things well. 
And uh, I think what you said is important, learning to listen to our wives, what they're saying and, and, and them being in tune, us being in tune to them for their needs as well. Um, something I'm still learning, you know, um, but anyway, good stuff, man. Good stuff. We appreciate you guys being with us and uh, we appreciate uh, any input you might have. Our email address is drvision365 at gmail.com. Um, also be sure to check out the website. If you want to know where you can sign up and where you can uh, subscribe, you can go to uh, Vision Life 365. I'm sorry, the email address is drvisionlife365 at gmail.com. And then you can go to visionlife365.com. And that is where, that, yes, .org. Sorry, I did the .com, it's .org. Um, and you can find out where you can subscribe to your favorite podcast uh, thing. So I appreciate you guys for being with us. Encourage you to not just be listeners, but be doers. So put the stuff in practice. Get and some rest. Get some rest. As that's an that's, that's a order from Gary and an order from myself. And uh, we appreciate you guys. Looking forward to seeing you next episode. Thanks so much. Thanks again for listening to the Vision Life 365 podcast. Be sure to check out our website, visionlife365.org. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast for a new episode each and every week. Thanks so much for being a part and being with us here. And we look forward to being with you again next week.